Hello, Chuck listeners. This is Austin Charles. I hope you are well. I hope you are healthy. I just wanted to connect with you all briefly um, while we are separated and to do so with the technology we have that we're afforded, which is barely an ancient practice. You know, most of the New Testament is um, uh, friends connecting with one another uh, via the technology they had uh, a third day. Um, amidst social separation and isolation, whether in prison or separated from the Mediterranean, this is uh, this is really what they did as well. So I wanted to just connect with you, say hey, and uh, share a few thoughts that I have been thinking, that I have been um, feeling uh, amidst this time, I'm trying to think through uh, how then we should live amidst this time and what we should look towards. As you know uh, from listening to this podcast, I and my dad. Uh, try to think as biblically as we can in every circumstance, um, whether it is a pandemic or uh, the suffering of a pandemic or the suffering of a Sunday in October as a Browns fan. We try to, we consider the words of Romans 5, suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character, hope. Hope does not disappoint. So, as we as we uh, run a race of perseverance, that uh, is marked out for us. We try to, in every circumstance, fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, because he endured the cross. Because he endured the cross, we endure this life. You know, the um, so much of the Bible is about perseverance. So much of the Bible is about the uh, endurance of one's faith, the waiting in one's faith. The uh, first half of the Bible, more than the first half of the Bible, is about the law and the prophets looking towards deliverance from their savior from a messiah and they wait and they wait and they wait and then there's just a it's just a plethora of stories of waiting persevering enduring for deliverance they wait and a messiah comes and then the gospels are just stories of jesus promising the holy spirit and the disciples wait and the spirit comes and then the the new testament writings the church and pastoral epistles are just the apostles promising the coming of our Lord. And so we wait and we wait. In 2 Corinthians 1, all of God's promises are yes in Jesus. And for that, we say amen. So in this time when we're considering suffering and what that means, Sam Albury says that there are four points of suffering. The, the number, one, number one, this world is not right. We need to understand that this world, we live in a fallen world. Number two, we are not innocent in that. We are fallen beings as well. That does not mean we are, we are bad. It just means we are flawed and that we are unable to save ourselves. Our own self-sufficiency and self-madeness is failing us. We need something that is not new, new and trendy. We need something that is transcendent from us. Number three, God is not indifferent to this time, to this suffering. He is very aware. And he's very involved. I'm reminded of some of the stories in Daniel. There's so much going on behind the scenes through uh, the uh, exile and separation that Daniel is living in through that book. And he is so prayerfully addresses his exile, his separation, his trials, his literally facing the fire. 
And there's so much more going on behind the scenes. And Daniel constantly just faces Jerusalem and prays and prays and prays. And he's eventually, in so many of those stories, delivered. And God's kingdom is established through. God wants to do for you what he can do through you. And his kingdom is established in him. Number four, Alberry says, this is not ultimate. And that is why our suffering goes to perseverance and perseverance and the building of character. And that character looks towards the hope that does not disappoint because as we are so, we should so be explicitly reminded every morning when the sun comes up that the sun did rise and it, that tomb stayed empty once and for all. This is not ultimate. This is not absolute. The only absolute thing in this world with from heaven to earth, our souls to our bodies is that he physically got up from the dead. And that is a promise for us that we do not just have a resuscitation, but we have a life after life after death. And we recognize that now. I want to um, offer a, a suggestion, a um, instruction, a exhortation, I don't know what you call it, but I just want to urge you all um, to, uh, in consideration of just that most of the New Testament really doesn't measure faith by the amount you have. It never really does that. I think of the story of Jesus watching the widow bring her offering in the temple courts. And he's just sitting there reclined, watching people bring in great, um, great demonstrations of their faith and, uh, and, 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 and their wealth. And he sees a widow come up and she brings all that she has, her last coin, and he commends it as, as righteous faith because she did not give such a great gift. It's not the amount in which you give. She gave 100% of that in which she had. And so much of the New Testament measures faith not by how much you have, but the percentage you have to give and how much that can persevere. And that is why we run the race that is marked out for us in perseverance, because in doing so, we are living as Christ who endured the cross. I don't think Jesus had all the answers when he was sitting in Gethsemane. I don't think he had all the answers when he was being flogged in the courts or when he was dragging his cross up to Golgotha. But Jesus had some understanding that he knew his identity. He knew he was loved by the Father, and he knew that it was not ultimate, these circumstances. And so what did Jesus do? He asked God to save him. He asked his father who, knowing that if asking his father for a fish, he would not receive a snake. He asked his father, deliver me from this because all your promises are yes. And that is why we say, amen. There's an old anecdote of, uh, it's a story about a philosopher in the court of Alexander the Great. This philosopher had an outstanding ability, but little money. He asked Alexander the Great for financial help and was told to draw whatever he needed from the imperial treasury. But when the man requested an amount equal to $50,000, he was refused. The treasurer wanted to verify that such a large sum was authorized. So when the treasurer asked Alexander the Great, the ruler replied, Pay the money at once. The philosopher has done me a singular honor. By the largeness of his request, he shows that he has understood both my wealth and my generosity. The great English hymn writer John Newton once wrote, Thou art coming to a king, large petitions with thee bring. For his grace and power are such, none can ever ask too much. So friends, listeners, chucksters out there, ask so much of our God, just as Jesus did. In the midst of perseverance, 
of the suffering, of this isolation, of the separation, um, amidst job loss, amidst need, amidst um, just the packed inness of home and just out of your routine. Whatever you're, we are all lacking something in this time. Uh, ask too much. Make that that as the as the philosopher did that. What is equal for you to that fifty thousand dollar request? God is not is not indifferent to this. He is intentional and he is active through this, like he was for Daniel, and Daniel asked, like he was for Jesus, and Jesus asked, and that is why we say Amen to the promises in God because they are all delivered at some point. Make big requests, pray big, gargantuan prayers, and the simplest things and necessities to the most. Uh, to the largest of necessities. God wants you to ask him for things. Well, I hope that we can see you again around Southbrook. I hope that um, that you are staying healthy, that you're washing your hands, that you're um, you're helping those in need. Paul says to, to Titus to, to, to devote yourselves to doing good, that you would not be unproductive in this time. So uh, do the good you can with wisdom and discernment. Do the good you can. Do not be unproductive in this time and um, help those around you, help carry their burdens, especially those in the faith. So we'll see you soon. We'll uh, hopefully uh, be seeing you out in the sunshine, among, like I said, around Southbrook in no time. And uh, summer's coming. The heat's coming. The sun is rising. Uh, Hosanna is coming into town. So, well, I hope this has been encouraging for you, uh, or in the least, just something familiar from the old life. I'd also uh, urge you to engage with our uh, Sunday service at 10 a.m., our streamed service, uh, April 12th, Easter Sunday, and engage with the Seven Miles to Hope as we walk through the story um, in Luke 24, the Emmaus story. Luke 24 is a series of stories, really, of Jesus showing up. And it's the conclusion of the gospel writer's thought that he begins this idea of, as I've talked about, uh, waiting and waiting, and, uh, and through our faith, we show up, we show up, and eventually a Messiah comes. He begins this thought in Luke 2, where Anna, the, the widow, shows up to the temple every day. Every day she shows up, and uh, eventually she spots a young couple with a baby boy. Um, I can imagine her going up to that baby boy and, um, and asking, what's his name? His name is Yeshua. His name is Jesus. And it says in Luke 2 that she gives thanks to God because she knows the end is beginning and uh, deliverance is coming. So read Luke 24, stories of Jesus showing up when all seems grim, when all seems doom and gloom, and uh, engage with us. Southbrook, uh, stream service, southbrook.org, Sunday, April 12th, 10 a.m.